Hey, I'm Gareth. I'm Bex. And we do a podcast called Gareth's Random Ramblings. Which follows two Kiwis and their random thoughts living in Australia. And you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, and basically anywhere podcasts come out of your devices. Now proud members of the No Phony Podcast Network. Two Empty Seats. This is a weekly podcast where we dissect and discuss science fiction, fantasy, superhero, horror, TV shows, and movies. Eric, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good today, Tom. Uh, how are you doing? I am exhausted. I spent several hours in my yard transplanting five lilac bush from one location to another. Well, that sounds like fun. So I know. <laughs> Yeah, I spent several days a week. Uh, I spent several days this week leading up to today, just getting the ground ready, digging channels, kind of digging the spot where I was going to transplant them. But it was still a very long, tiring and grueling day. Mm. I do feel a sense of accomplishment, though. I, you know, the job is done, and I am ready now to repurpose my deck. I'm going to be taking off the old two by six treated wood. That's rotted out, and I will be putting in composite. Nice. That sounds like a pretty solid summer project, working on the deck and then moving the flowers around. I mean, it sounds like you got your work cut out for you the next few months. Yeah, it'll be it'll be nice when it's all done. How about you, Eric? Uh, me? Um, working. I'm working a lot. I worked yesterday. Um, uh, I think it was Thursday you, told, you, you suggested we uh, review The Watchmen, and I hadn't watched any of it, so... <laughs> I spent today, I think I powered through about six episodes, and I finished watching, I, fin- I finished the series maybe ten minutes ago. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of how my weekend went. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know what? And that's going to be an interesting, it'll be interesting, because we are here today to review the 2019 TV series on HBO titled Watchmen. This is an, an original Comic book that was written by Alan Moore. Um, interestingly enough, he has distanced himself from the project completely. However, not so interesting and typical for Alan Moore is he's kind of got that surly old man uh, thing going on, and he hasn't wanted to have anything to do with a, a lot of things, at least from a distance. That's what podcasters and people in the know have have consistently shared about Alan Moore. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can understand that it's tough to see your work to be repurposed in this new style. I mean, at least the movie did its best to try and be like the comic books, even though it kind of did its own thing. Um, or no, I'm, I'm trying to remember if it was how like how close was the movie to the uh, to the to the comic book? Um, uh, see what the book dives into, and I think what the series does a nice job of, of 
paralleling but not mimicking is the turmoil going on in society at the time. Um, so if you want to give um, like examples, crossovers, if you look at the joke, Joker the movie from this last year and how they depicted the turmoil in the city and in society going around the Joker, and then you, if you compare that to Watchmen 2019, you see a lot. You see a, there's a very real elements in the story in the storyline. The original comic book by Alan Moore was that it was plugged in. It, it felt earthy, grainy. It felt, um, and I, that's what kind of made it really interesting. These were heroes that weren't heroes, and in a way, it kind of made them all out to be non-heroes in a lot of ways. Um, kind of like the the um, they they kind of got in. Comic books went through a period, and it was where they they went away. They took a hard turn away from depicting heroes as heroes and started showing the real kind of evil sides to them. I think Watchmen when 19 does a similar thing. They kind of use, you know, the structural racism and that whole backdrop, white supremacy that's kind of embedded in all of this. That feels more real. When I think about the movie, Snyder's movie, I think that's where he failed the most. I, I don't, it didn't feel... I think what Snyder does is he picks, he cherry picks these these images mm-hmm. in these certain like this little elements about the comic book story that are right on, but the story itself is off. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, that's just my opinion. Um, it's not anything that I've read. You know, people say you know I haven't heard a general impression that would match what I just shared but it, because it was off I didn't enjoy it that much I think that um the comic book is the comic book is an absolute gem and I could see why Alan Moore wouldn't want anyone to touch it it's his story um obviously he had this up well the rights probably belong to Warner Brothers because he wrote the book for Vertigo Vertigo is owned by Warner Brothers so they probably own all the rights to that creative property which probably has Alan Moore not feeling great yeah, I mean, the thing about the the 2019 show that just came, that we just that we're gonna review is that it's like a direct sequel from the 1985 novel, and I'm assuming it's for, the novel the novel came out in '85 because that's when they that, that that's when the giant squid is dropped on New York City, and yeah, so like this is like their reimagining of it's essentially a sequel, and this is how they would imagine like history would play out after the Watchmen comic book ended. And the movie that came out in 2009 was itself like a reboot almost, or like a, yeah, like a reboot, like, or just redoing the original Watchmen in a more modern sense. And I guess, I mean, 1985, 1986, there was, it was the height of the Cold War and everyone was, was believing that they were gonna die in this nuclear apocalypse. And so people were r- rightly fearing that society was gonna end, that civilization was gonna end. And then Ozymandias is supposed to be the guy who comes around and saves humanity from itself and then this tv show it kind of tries to follow that where they're trying he well not him i guess but like they're trying to save humanity from itself from its own i guess racial uh, uh hate and violence i guess maybe um i don't know i feel like maybe even i'm just starting to put my own ideas into what the show was trying to do yeah it struggles it does things that in my opinion 
a lot of movies do a lot of and i think that's probably i'm gonna probably i'm gonna i wrote a summary eric i'm gonna read it <laughs> Go ahead. and that'll be kind of a backdrop because what we can't stand in society today is anything any kind of storyline that depicts individuals or entities has as being pure or being omnipotent or having eternal values they are completely destroyed and you'll see it they did it with in the MCU movies they did it with this i mean dr manhattan is the closest thing to to god which is extremely problematic if you think about the story <laughs> itself um and i think that's part of the cleverness of this is i and i will speak to both sides of the aisle here cuz parts of this i think are really good and genius and parts of it are are just kind of playing off of stereotypes that mm-hmm. Are a little played out, um, but you mix it together. It provide this thing provides this thing, this story, this series provides a pretty rich um, backdrop to have pretty pretty good conversations. But it tries to be complex in this portrayal of systemic racism and interpersonal violence against people of color. Um, however, in my opinion, at times it doesn't know if it wants to simply reenact racism by leaning into stereotypes and fears held in American society for decade for decades, or does it want to expose the false beliefs that are underneath these behaviors? Optically, it presses the shame button on multiple places in the story. Um, there's elements that of white man versus black man, uh, white male suppression and patriarchy, uh, white women versus black women. They do it in the and the um, if you caught it, the relationship, the prior relationship Dr. Manhattan w- had with was with a white woman. And then later on in this story, it's with, story, it's with a black woman. And they play off of that whole trope, which is a pretty painful thread for people of color. And it's just kind of included in the story. There's no light shown on it in a way that exposes it for the pain that it's caused. Um, ultimately, it didn't strike an empathic chord with me. Um, it's visually explicit. Um, the story narrative lacked the edginess of the visual effects. It had it pressed all the shame buttons. The story in the series is almost saved completely by Regina King and Hun Chow. Um, I think their characters are fleshed out full characters in the portrayal of these of these characters by these actors is believable. It's amazing. Uh, the female uh, actors are incredible. Uh, I'm not sure that even their heroics save the story from being exploitive, manipulative, and somewhat of a mess um, at key points in the story. So there you go, Eric. That's my <laughs> opinion on this show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to agree with just about mo- most of what you said. I mean, it's definitely in the second half that Regina King and Han Chow definitely did kind of, they ca- basically carried the whole series or the, the, they carried the end of, of this, of this series because without them, like there's almost no plot. And you've like the first half of this uh, show was almost like a weird fever dream of like what a super fan would try to do if they were going to, if they're going to make like a fan fiction of, of a Watchmen uh, sequel. I like because, that. Because, well, they just have like, they just jump from story to story. I mean, first it starts with, you know, Regina King and it has these, uh, the, uh, the Rorschach people or the, was it the seventh cavalry or whatever? 
Yeah. And then it just hops over to uh, uh, Ozymandias and his little, uh, his little, what do you call him, his mansion. And then it just, you have like almost no idea what's going on. Then all the cops have masks. Oh, well, then they're also wearing hoods. So maybe they're superheroes. But then maybe this is the super vigilante justice. So really what it seemed like was um, it was like uh, kind of like they were doing nods. Almost like Easter eggs, you know, about how like uh, the Marvel films will have like Easter eggs in there that only you, you would only know, you'd only recognize if you were a huge fan and knew the backstory for all of this. And I, I guess they did kind of explain it, but that's so that's the problem is that the the first few episodes and really the first half of this of this season was they put so much emphasis on the idea of uh, white supremacy and how this Seventh Cavalry KKK group were like the main threat of or the existential threat in this story to not just like Americans, but humanity. And by the end, by about halfway through, they really just, they had nowhere else to go with that story. The the best they could do was to have the Senator kind of be the main bad guy. And he was trying to steal Dr. Manhattan's power. And you could have built an entire story just on that and kept sort of, the idea of um, white supremacy being the main antagonist of the story, you could have done a much better job of using that to try and ingrain this theme that uh, American society is rotting from the inside, uh, which is something that was echoed in the comic book and in the movie for, the, for that matter. My favorite, my favorite scene from the movie is when they're quelling the riots in New York and uh, the comedian is just killing everybody. And he just says something like, look around you, like, this is America, you know, this is what we've become. And, like, there's this idea that the racial the racial discrimination, the injustice, you know, all these things that we've had to try and endure over America's history has been what's been rotting our society from the inside. And that was a theme I thought they were going to try and go with, which is initially why I wanted to watch this show. Um and while they did sort of get at that and the whole thing with like the Cyclops organization, it ultimately became a B story to this um, Han Chao's character. Uh, what was it uh, Lou or whatever? And mm-hmm. she and her like a- ascension to godhood to try and save the world. And in that case, it kind of became its own little like superhero story, like a pretty traditional superhero story. And so mm-hmm. that, that I mean, I liked it, but. I, I felt like cost of sort of the kind of um, the things about race that they were trying to say. Yeah, I think they had they put toys into the sandbox and they didn't quite treat those toys with enough respect. I think that the writers actually reenacted racism in the story itself versus versus shining a light on it in a way or possibly by reenacting it. And it, it exposes it and causes us to think about our own false beliefs in this country. I will explain myself here. <laughs> so I loved what you just said. It's these, the Seventh Cavalry, which are white supremacists, all led by white males, of course, with some white female cheerleaders, and they want to achieve godhood, right? That's mm-hmm. in a nutshell. So they try to do it. They fail. Who succeeds? Uh, and a lady who is depicted as Asian. Now she's Vietnamese, right? Mm-hmm. So they don't want to pick completely on 
the main nemesis of America right now, which is China. But optically, they they play off this, this whole this whole fear that America has of China right now. And that whole thing is problematic. <laughs> Everything about that's problematic. Like, don't mm-hmm. you're don't fear the white man. Your biggest fear should be the person over in East Asia. You know, it's like that's a I don't know. I think what it does is it exposes. It does expose if you're if you look at it in an elevated way. There's problems with that. Um, and then, so I I think that. It, but I think I just think I it say, goes back to like the first episode, the first scene. Of the of the show is the Tulsa riots in 1921, the Tulsa massacre, yeah. and like that's that's powerful, especially considering its uh, current events and how it it was brought back up to the national consciousness only recently. And then the very next episode is in present day, in which a you know white man is being pulled over by a black cop, and and it's believe that this guy is a terrorist of some kind and then it's almost like this great juxtaposition of the of an alternate alternate history and they really like really it seemed like they were really trying to pose some really interesting questions on how um america deals with the idea of, of power and race and i think they had some good ideas i mean i remember the senator talking about how it was the you know 40 years ago they were all in power, and then slowly that power eroded, so now they're trying to get that power back by becoming gods, essentially. And, I mean, you can see that in current events, quite frankly, today. Not in becoming gods, but in becoming all-powerful in this nation. Mm-hmm. And that speaks to real fears on both sides. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I've, I mean, the, the, and then the problem is, is that because this is Damon Lindelof, he is great at posing those questions, at kind of setting these great storylines up but then he's never been able to complete he's been never never been able to, to follow through with um capitalizing on the great narratives that he sets up and so that's why it kind of devolves back into oh this um you know this vietnamese character just wants is just a narcissistic you know asshole and wants to become a god because she believes that she can take she can do it right when dr manhattan's spent his entire life realize you know his entire entire existence realizing that that's almost impossible or not dr manhattan um uh ozymandias figures out that that that's a bad idea because he's a narcissistic you know maniac who knows that if he was given god powers he would not use them well and i think that's the problem is that he didn't know they didn't know how to land this plane and so they they try to tie all these figures back in in the end the seventh cavalry and that whole storyline just became a vehicle from which to push the greater sort of superhero arc of um, trying to stop the evil villain from becoming a god, and that that was kind of lame because in the very last episode, the very last episode, they uh, Regina King's character, um, oh, what's her name? <laughs> it's um, she, Abar. It's um, Abar is the name of the uh, Angela yeah, Angel- Abar, the third night. Yeah, Angela. Angela yeah. goes back to the theater and has a conversation with her grandfather, uh, Willis, or, and they actually like have a great conversation about everything that happened. And I don't know. It's like story arc wise of the characters of Angela's character, I thought was pretty solid. It's just that the plot itself just didn't make sense a lot of times. Was going way out of its way to be different, and that made it really hard to follow a lot. Yeah. 
and I hesitate to go too far into this, but I I do think in the eighth episode, because I don't know. I can understand what you're saying. The funny thing is, I actually like that episode um, because it finally shed some backstory on Angela's past and the fact that she like why she's from Vietnam and and she's supposed to be an American. Like, I assume she was just hiding in Vietnam in exile after she got uh, shot by the Seventh Cavalry or something or something like that happened. Or, like, her father fled there or something like that. But then it obviously it, it makes a lot more sense because I forgot that America won the Vietnam War in this reality. Um, I think yeah. the exploitative part was having Dr. Manhattan and thus having God be um, a black man was a little bit exploitative. I can see the writers just knowing that they're going to get some shock value out of that when people realize what happened. Um, I think the, the, the nakedness of him is just, that's his character. I don't think there's anything supposed to be exploitative about that. At least not that, not that I felt, um, that's just his character and cause he's a guy, yeah. he doesn't care what he looks like for the most part. Um, I don't know. I didn't really care too much for the God trying to be immortal like that. We've been there before. I mean, we've done that with this character mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't Dr. Manhattan the whole idea is that he kind of realizes that he's not a human being, that he's not immortal anymore, and he, should, he needs to stop pretending, and he needs to just go be a god um, away from humanity because his influence is not healthy for humanity. And that's, I guess, what Ozymandias didn't understand um, or something, something like that. <laughs> um, no, you're right, though. I mean, that's the problem. They, they pull God back to Earth to save the Earth, but they end up... You know, spoilers for a 2019 show. They end up stealing his godhood. And yeah, he's fighting. And, That's that whole thing. <laughs> and like that was the whole thing. I mean, it was cool having him sort of be this undercover god, actually being Angela's husband. You know, this whole time. I mean, I still don't quite understand why he chose Angela, other than the future told him to do it, which. As much fun as it was to kind of play with the fact that he can essentially, you know, be present in all moments in time was that was like a fun, like cinematic device and storytelling device. In the end, it doesn't exactly make sense um, in like like that. Uh, so having said that, I really like the structure of, the, of that episode and how they did it and how I they do agree the past. Yeah. And it's just I don't know. It was it just still gets to the point of why did he. How did it become Angela, who is just in, inextricably linked? And why is Tulsa, Oklahoma so important of all, you know, with, with the whole history of all this crap that went down? And I mean, I don't know. It's, that's the thing. That's what weird. they're trying. They tried to make this about race to such an extent that other parts of the story suffer. Like, I think just the stuff about race, and I think the part in episode eight where they flip back and show the backstory, that's really good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting stuff. I think where you have problem is the whole God stuff that suffers because the story just doesn't feel very original. I think Adrian Veet dropping uh, an octopus this time in the form of millions of tiny octopus. That's no different than the original story that was already told in mm-hmm. the Watchmen from 1985 or 86. So <laughs> so you didn't come up with anything new there. Um I th- so I think the parts that shed light on racism all work. I think Angela's character works. I think Han Lao in her depiction. What's the name of her character? Lady Trio? Or yeah. how would you say that? It's like Lady True, basically, I think is how you say it. Yeah, Lady True. Well, that makes sense, right? She's all yeah. about truth. Um, I mean, if it weren't for for 
Lady True's portrayal as being just frankly downright hilarious at points. <laughs> I mean, she was a joy to see on the screen, and I really enjoyed her character. She would put the truth in people's face, and she would hold people accountable for their lack of rationality in ways that was so revealing but so hilarious. So I think I'm kind of all over the place with that. I really liked her character a lot. In well, I was going to say, I have to agree with you. I did really like her character to the point where I was like, yeah, I'd be totally fine if she stole Dr. Manhattan's powers and became a yeah. god. I mean, the way that she portrayed it and the way what she said, I was like, she probably would make the world a better place. And like, okay, sure, why why not at this point? <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. And Adrian yeah. Veet has more, if it's even possible to say this, in the books he has a little bit more nobility. So when yeah. they when they portray him the way they do in this, they are mocking that whole persona. That is all a mockery of somebody who carries themselves as having X, Y, and Z. But at the end of the day, Adrian Veet is the one who has some capacities to interrupt this whole plan when nobody else can, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so he does, they do depict him ultimately having power, but you can't ever show <laughs> a character have both a sense of nobility and a sense of of purposefulness and have answers. <laughs> it's boring. <laughs> so you have to make them into this perverted old scrawny dude and He's interesting. I thought, um, is it Jeremy Irons? Yeah. Yeah. I thought he played, his character was pretty good, pretty interesting, even though it's it's a, a pancake flip in a lot of different ways. But I thought that that the actor just really did a pretty good job, I thought, pulling off that character. Well, see, that's the funny thing about like the way they structured this story is that, yeah, I do think Jeremy Irons did a fine job with it. But the thing is, he didn't really do anything for the first like two thirds of the season. I mean, he's literally stuck on a manor. Uh, just who knows what the hell he's really trying to do until you get to the point where you realize that he's on a freaking moon, one of the moons of Jupiter and like reenacting or just trying to not go crazy. And yeah. like, he's basically in a prison uh, that he put himself yeah. in. And you were like, I remember at the start of this story, I was just like, yeah, like who, what the hell is he trying to do? Like, he okay, he saved the world technically by dropping a giant squid on New York. Okay, and what about what he's doing? How is what he's doing now going to tie into the overall story? Because the first three, four episodes, it has almost nothing to do with the with the overall story because they haven't even gotten close to touching the idea that you're they're going to capture and steal Doctor Manhattan's power, which essentially became the main thrust of this story. Like that was essentially what this show was about it was about this grant this great plot for uh lady true and the seventh cavalry to try and steal dr manhattan's power and that doesn't reveal itself till like episode seven or eight and the thing is there's very little to go on to make you think that's where it's ultimately heading because most of the time it's really angela trying to uncover her past and figure out why this old you know this old dude killed her best friend who actually turned out to be a white supremacist. Like all that has almost nothing to do with the, with, with the ending main plot. And I, <laughs> so like right. trying to follow this story makes no sense. Like, and that's the thing, like the episode where she's just like tripping balls on nostalgia and she gets basically relives her grandfather's life. Like that shit was awesome. Like that was a great episode. I really enjoyed that. 
where he just basically, it basically just shows how he became hooded justice and he uncovers this plot for the white, for the KKK to like brainwash black people into killing each other. I mean, that got pretty crazy, but then I was thinking, okay, well maybe they're going to link this into the current story and maybe the seventh cavalry is the new Cyclops and they're trying to use this, this, this mind washing brainwashing technologies in some modern day fashion. And that's what the watches are for. No, it's not like there's almost no reason for that episode where she's having those flashbacks to, to occur. Um, and that is just, that's the problem I had with the overall story is while it's cool, while it's a great like uh, storytelling device, it, I didn't feel like it was wholly necessary. Like that whole episode could be just a show on its own. Just one quick, like short film and it, do, it would do a great job of depicting not only sort of the racial injustices that were done to African-Americans in the early uh, 20th century America, but then try and talk about like this fantasized version of how you'd find justice in that type of unjust world. And instead, it just became a way for Angela to learn about her grandfather's uh, uh, life, which is cool. But again, it didn't add anything to the overall story that I could see. Yeah, I'm going to I'll I'm going to actually parallel what you just said. So this story really has three parts to it. You have the whole systemic racism narrative, so that's mm-hmm. a part. You have bringing stealing God's power, that's a part. And then what's the third part of this whole thing? I guess it would be like the whole Minutemen narr- narrative. The Minutemen is a series that came out after the Watchmen series came out because the Watchmen was so popular and received such high critical praise. <laughs> so of course then you have to do follow-ups. So the Minutemen are these people that go around and, and do what they did in this film. And so those are the parts. And when you start to mix together the goofiness of the original Watchmen elements, which are depicted in Adrian Veet and some of those characters, Adrian Veet mainly, you mix that with the story about racism, the story about bringing God down to earth. That doesn't always work. And I don't know that they use the kind of kid gloves. And I think if they were to defend themselves, they, they would say that they wanted to use shock value, shock and awe to make their points and just kind of put it right in your face. However, I think what they end up doing is reenacting elements of racism versus exposing the damage, the damage that racism, systemic racism, exploitation, and those kinds of things cause. So that's what I would, that's where I, I would say would be where I would land with that. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could understand that in terms of the three ideas. And, that, and I guess maybe if I'm kind of explaining it for the creators, kind of the ending can kind of show how these three different paths to power can all blow up in your face or like you basically you can do three things with power you can do what dr manhattan did which was nothing you can do what uh lady true wanted to do which is to be omnipotent in order and try and be like this benevolent ruler and then you can do what the seventh cavalry was trying to do which is trying to impose this world order of white supremacy and the thing is is that none of them deserve that power i guess might be the 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 lesson they're trying to teach and that any man who really believes that they can wield that power deserves to be destroyed or obliterated by frozen, you know, cephalopods. Um, but 
I don't know. Just having said that, it was just really weird. And looking back on the series, the episodes I really liked were when they really focused on one character. Like the one where they did about the, uh, the looking glass character. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember that character's, that actor's name, but I really like him. He's been a bunch of stuff. Like that was good because it went back to 1985 and talked about and show, you know, with him trying to convert people and to, you know, believe in God. And then he gets duped and then he, it kind of informs his character today and shows how he kind of, uh, finds out where the seventh cavalry is working. And then you think that he's killed at the end of the episode only to be revealed like four episodes later or the last episode. And that's the other thing is he just disappears at the end of that episode. And it's halfway through the season. You just don't see him again until the end. And, and my, one of my other favorites would be the same episode where they relive, um, William's life and I kind of get to see his upbringing and why, uh, how he kind of got there, which is cool. And then I guess, I guess, yeah, episode eight, which is a guy walks into a bar where you really get to see Angela's past and get to see how she gets to become the person that she is when the season starts, when the show starts and how, she, and how she happened to be able to fall in love with a God and how that whole thing plays into it. So like those were the episodes I actually liked. And I mean, the other episodes are fine, but like Adrian Veet, he, he had almost nothing to do. Like I said, until the very end when he became somewhat important and he, in a way he saved the day by almost pure luck. And so I'm not really entirely sure what his, the point of his character was. And, um, I don't know, just about something about how when you're, when you have this godlike power, cause he's living in a mansion with a bunch of clones and he's just murdering them constantly about how that even that'll drive, that'll drive you crazy. Maybe I don't know. Cause he was clearly going insane even though he had, he was essentially a god on this planet, on that planet. What he wanted more than anything was an adversary, a competent adversary. And he, and he got one in Lady True at the end, I, I guess. But the thing is, that doesn't even really show itself again until the second or third last episode. So, I don't know. Like I said, the show was kind of all over the place. I, I, I overall enjoyed it. I mean, the style of it was a lot of fun. I liked the, the musical, musical scores for each individual character. Like, like, you'd know something was about to go down with Angela because that, that sort of like techno beat straight out of, um, uh, Stranger Things would come on and you'd be like, oh yeah, she's about to kick some ass. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I just, I'm a little all over the place, but I also did just finish this show like 30 minutes ago, so. Yeah. And I, I think I just finished it yesterday. So we haven't had a lot of time. And I'm not going to make any excuses for my opinion. I think my opinion is what it is. I, Cord Jefferson, are you familiar with him? He's one of the writers on this. He was, I guess. Do you, are you familiar with Cord Jefferson? No, I would say other than Dan Lindelof, I really didn't. I don't think I know any of the other uh, writers. Okay. Jeff Je- Jeff Jensen, Claire Kachel, and they. I think what they do, what the writers do show, um, is a, a a pretty good awareness of the issues that feed into systemic racism. Otherwise you couldn't reenact them with such clarity in a series the way they did. And I think that they hit, they hit the beats with that. And I think it does expose it. And there's, there's a chance that this is actually brilliantly done in in that regard, in, in their depiction of the systemic racism in that storyline. I think when you mix it with the ridiculousness of Adrian Veet, it starts to become kind of problematically as a complete story. 
I think those parts of the story, I think, are the strength of the story. When they do the flashbacks, when they show Angela and, and her whole history and tracking everything that she's experienced, even the way she meets Dr. Manhattan and the way he kind of schmoozes her into having a relationship, um, all of that feels very, very well written. It was very interesting. All that was interesting. I think the stealing God's power mixed with the Adrian Veet stuff, I, it almost felt like this was two shows. It felt like the first half of it was goofy. And then they got together in a room and they decided, you know what, we got to do something with this because this story is looking goofy, folks. <laughs> We're going to need to put some oomph. We started off with this whole Tulsa thing. We said this was going to be about race. We said we were going to do, and we, maybe we need to move off of this whole uh, Watchmen thing and get back into the real heart of the story, which is systemic racism, power differential, and violence against people of color. And we'll just tie it back in at the end in as best we can to kind of save the story. Um, I don't know. Who knows what they were deciding and talking about in the writer's room. But I do think there's two very different stories here. And and part of the story is goofy and part of the story is actually really good. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem, I think, with the first half in which – like, like, like I said, the, the whole show starts with the reenactment of the Tulsa massacre, and that's a very powerful image to start, you know, to start your show on. And I think the idea was there to try and have this superhero show, but that's that's heavily informed by race relations in America and racial violence and disc- and discrimination and all that stuff. And that's what I said. But like, they, they were getting to that. And they were trying to craft this whole plot about how the 7th Cavalry or the KKK or white supremacy in general is trying to regain their, their power that they lost over the last uh, 50 to 100 years and how it's going to take, you know, a superhero to pe- try and do that or, you know, something or something like that. And then there was a way they could have done it in which it would have done justice, I guess. And then, I don't know, so I think the idea was that that was going to be the main idea of the show. And then the the whole idea that it's in the Watchmen universe and there are superheroes, I thought that was almost not even going to be touched. I just thought the only nod that they were going to have that the superheroes existed was going to be the fact that all the cops had to wear masks and dress up as, as superheroes. And that would have been it. And this would have been as loosely based on the Watchmen comics as possible. And then, yeah, Dr. Manhattan's out there somewhere. But, I mean, quite frankly, he, I would have been totally fine if he didn't show up in the show at all. But, um... Then in the end that they, they, I, I'm guessing maybe they had a, a separate ending where the uh, Seven Cavalry kind of stealing the power of Doctor Manhattan probably would have been the ending and that would have been the arc and that's what Angela has to stop and all that good stuff. But then they kind of either they either didn't know how to end it in a way that was satisfying or they didn't know how to do it in a way that made sense. And I think it's that one because. It's really hard to find a way to bring Dr. Manhattan back into the story unless you unless you do it the way they did it, which is have him be married to Angela and be essentially undercover as a black man this, this entire show. And I mean, that's like, you know, it, I, like, I can just see them like like Lily. They're just, you know, smoking a bunch of weed on someone's couch and they're like, wait, I got it. Angela's husband is dr manhattan and they're like oh my god that's how you bring him back it makes sense now and they probably thought it was a great idea and you know or something like that you know what i mean and they even and that was the idea is that 
I think what the idea originally was was that after the whole idea is that um, what is it? Adrian Veet is he drops a squid on New York to try and solve you know all the world's problems, bring the world together, and create this utopia. And the reality is is that that's impossible. That there's still these deep racial um, biases and issues that not only in America but throughout the world that prevents that from happening. And so even though he may have been able to create this utopia, that original sin of uh, racism and racial bias is rotting that society from within. And that is where we get to present day where that's still happening and it's falling apart. And then that's, I don't know, that's the idea, I guess, is what they were trying to go for. And then what they needed and then what um, the 7th Cavalry needed is that they needed to retake that power and the only way they could retake that power would be to take back, would be to take the power from Dr. Manhattan. Or I thought what was going to happen was that I thought Lady True was going to do another mass, you know, mass casualty event where she drops another squid on Tulsa, Oklahoma or something like that, and thus creating a new reason for the world to unify. Something like that. And essentially, the idea is that you can't force, you can't force people to face the great evils that they've wrought on each other and that you got to it has to be done at a willing at a at a level where everyone's willing and society is not ready to do that yet hence why they're still killing each other out of in the name of racism and the right of white supremacy and that's why the world's still falling apart yeah something like that yeah i mean it's good because then it gets back to the idea of what was adrian veet's like purpose and on this show I mean, he's stuck on your he's stuck stuck on Europa for uh, 85% of it, and then he comes back. It's almost like he, he was he was brought back just so that he could drop frozen squid on uh, Lady True and to save the day, which he does. He saves the day essentially. And like, what was the point? I mean, what was the point of showing him being stuck on this 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 uh, what is it? What's what's the term? What's the the paradise that Adam and Eve live in? um in genesis is it eden yeah there you go like he's literally living in eden and it's showing about how he's losing his mind living in eden and i'm sure there's some great commentary there about how you can be even you can be brought to paradise and even then it's not you won't be satisfied i mean dr manhattan even says something like that and (laughs) and other than that i mean i don't know he gets brought out of it and he because he's brought back from Eden, he gets to save the day. That's like that's the thing is I can't grasp what the messaging is on a lot of these themes and a lot of these storylines because they're they don't make a lot of sense. And that's the that's a that's real problem. problem with with yeah. this show and with a lot of shows. That is that is the problem of this. They take they just it's almost like they if these little ideas these concepts are just placed in little jars and moved around but they're not really connected in ways that create a cohesive story that has an empathic emotional connected kind of a oomph at the end of it i felt no empathy and i should have been feeling tons of empathy for angela angela's character i should have been feeling like oh my goodness everything she's been through but i couldn't feel that the way they i mean just i could go up and down like the whole narrative is so convoluted that I didn't feel the empathic kind of sense of loss or mm-hmm. sadness or grief at the destruction of God, right? That should have been an emotional moment. Here's someone 
an entity that has the power to save, has the power to flip a switch and maybe help or do something different. Uh, he gets all his power sucked away. And so that's, so you should, there should have evoked some kind of emotional response in me, which it didn't. Um, what, what, the, what was replaced in it and what was the benefit, the good parts we've said several times here is the interesting parts of the story that are mostly connected to Angela's, Angela's character. Um, other than that, I think this, that the rest of the show is a complete miss. And I would say that, um, Han Chow's acting made her character pop for me. And it, it probably just says a lot for that actor. Um, because the rest of that story was all junk. And so that's, that's kind of how I felt about it. I didn't walk away thinking I wanted any more of this. I didn't walk away thinking, man, I can't wait. Why can't they make another season of this? And I think Linda Law of Damon has walked away from this project and is not interested in making any more uh, Watchmen episodes. Um, it kind of it has that tantrumy kind of feel to it, <laughs> like, and I don't know the total reason why. Yeah, I mean that's exactly isn't that what happened with Prometheus? I mean, basically made Prometheus and then people didn't like it. So it was like, I'm, oh, you know what? Fine, I'm not gonna make the sequels then. Um, for the record, I liked how Lost ended, so that's, that's, that's just me. I thought it was fine. I thought, like, they could have been a lot worse. But, <laughs> that's awesome. It's, it's, but I'm just like, the whole idea is that the 7th Cavalry are these white supremacists killing cops because cops, um, are the enemy. And, hey, you know what? That has some real linkage to what's going on, like, right now. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Like, how prescient is that? And then... Everybody so wearing masks. That has and, so much... <laughs> Yeah, literally everyone's wearing masks, which was kind of that. That was almost straight, yeah, prescient. That was really awesome. But yeah. like, okay, so you you start the story. Okay, the Seventh Cavalry are these white supremacists, and they want to take over, you know, start a new world order or something like that. The thing is, you don't even really know that. They just kill some people. They kill one cop, and then the idea is that after the first episode, all you really know is that the Seventh Cavalry is at war with the police. You don't know necessarily that they're white supremacists and they're at war with. Um, they're trying to start a race war or something like that. And so once Lookout gets captured by the 7th Cavalry and the senator, Joe Keen, he shows, he starts talking to him about like, oh, I'm going to open your eyes and tell you the truth. I was think, I was hoping then maybe it would get a little more deep, I guess, or like the, the kind of like how they do in superhero movies where the villain maybe has a little bit more uh, dimensions to him than just being like a psycho white supremacist or something like that. And maybe it could become a more nuanced argument than just white versus black. And then they go, and then they even go back to the fucking, the, the, the flashbacks. And they're like, oh, the KKK is trying to create this mind control thing. Oh, maybe they'll incorporate that into the, into the main story. No, they don't. They nope. don't do that shit. They just drop all of it. Yeah. I, I literally think they just didn't know how to end the story the way it started, which is this deep, like, fighting against the power and, you know, how power structures actually work in America and how it can be interpreted. And in the end, it's still that institution of racism is what's destroying American society. I thought that's where they were going with this. And I thought, like, oh, this is great. I absolutely sign up for this type of story. And then they just lost it. They lost the thread halfway through. And, yeah, and I think that's, like, the problem is they wanted to use race as a way to really give the battle between the seventh cavalry and the um the cops that sort of weight that americans could understand and identify immediately i just i just feel like they had these great ideas and they just failed at them yeah and it's 
It's, I mean, it obviously it's their job. It's what they do for a living. And we are a podcast and we don't get any money for what we do. Right, Eric? <laughs> I sure as hell don't. I wish I did. <laughs> I know. So we watched a show and we just shared our opinions about it. We tried to be analytical and we tried to dissect it. We watch a lot of TV as a lot of people have done over this pandemic time. So Eric, let's just, let's just say without diving back into the weeds, is this a series that you would watch again? Is this a series where you would hope for more episodes to be made? Um, is this, or is this something that you watched? It's done. You're like, oh, I did that. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy I watched it. It's it was a fun ride, and it really did get me start thinking about about race relations in America and how horrible our history is when you really look back on it. Yeah. But I mean, also to be fair, I've been doing that anyway over the past uh, month, two months or so. So, in a way, it does a good way of helping to reemphasize that, maybe. Yeah. Um, having said that, I have really no desire to watch it again. I mean, a sequel, if they want to make more episodes, I might. It was kind of fun how they had Angela sort of get Dr. Manhattan's powers at the end. But at the end, but they also in- did an inception where you don't actually know whether or not right. she got the powers. And it's just like, well, then you're going to end on a cliffhanger. But it's not the type of cliffhanger you want answered. The whole idea is that it's open to interpretation almost. So I don't actually want more episodes. I'm fine with the show the way it is. Thank you. Yep, yeah. I'm 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 I too am I'm not sure I'm glad I watched this, to be honest. There are parts of it that were really problematic and so I didn't it's um it's not a show that I'm gonna revisit. So there. Yeah, that probably says it all right there. I'm looking forward to the bubble opening up in, in Disney World. Yep. And, you know, other forms of entertainment to start to kick in and I'm looking forward to some good movies and good T V shows to be released. <laughs> Why was Angela hooked up to an elephant? I never got that part. Well, elephants have incredible memories, and she needed to remember <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> what's behind What's behind the door? Oh, I'm going to bust it open. Oh, it's an elephant. She's not incredibly smart and successful on her own. No, her wife, her mother has to artificially inseminate herself with Ozymandias' freaking sperm. And that's why she's so successful and powerful. It's like, no, fuck you. She's just really smart and she did it all on her own. And it's just like, it's yeah. it's just stupid. And the, the, the creators just thought they were really smart doing it. And I'm sorry that I cursed so much. You know what? I yelled a lot in this podcast. So, <laughs> you know, maybe the, maybe the writers are feeling a sense of satisfaction because i know they're listening to this we we know oh, we have tons of high profile friends of the pod david lindoff friend of the pod <laughs> oh well eric i think that's gonna be it for this episode yeah i mean i agree with you i want the bubble to happen i hope no more players test positive so they can start the season on time um 
And uh, yeah, let's uh, get rid of uh, mark this one down and get ready for the next one. Sounds awesome. So for now and until next time, this has been MT Seats.